It's good to be here, and it's, uh, it's great. Thanks, Pastor Josh and the team. What a great initiative, uh, reaching out to the youth of our nation. We've been working on it now for nearly a year and a half in this process of doing something that's never been done before, so we can't copy anybody or ring them up and ask them. This is uh, unique uh, in the world to, to do something like this, so it's quite exciting as we sort of unpack that. As this, uh, Pastor Josh said, you know, the first day we came back, um, we talked about farmers, and then last week we really talked about prophetic direction for the life of the church, and what do we believe God's saying to us as a local church, that was so important, catch that on podcast if you need to. Uh, today I want to take it the next step, because I find sometimes in an apostolic mentality is that, you know, if you came to this church in three or four weeks' time, you'd walk in and go, this is a different church, this is a different feeling. Why is that? It's because uh, the journey of uh, people move towards God always changes. It's ever-growing, ever-changing, and ever-reshaping itself. So it's a very exciting time to stay connected, I believe, to what God is doing and what God is saying to activate that. Today I'm talking about staying alive. That's good. You go back to the BGs, that's a great hit there. Uh, and as Pastor Josh said, we're turning to the book of Nehemiah. You might have turned to that already. And we're talking about the five characteristics of effective kingdom builders. We talked uh, last week about the mentality of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other hand. It was the natural and the spiritual working together for, for God to be able to use that person. It's no different in this hour. God wanting this natural and the spiritual life to come together in your life so you can be naturally spiritual and spiritually natural. That's important. Naturally joyful, naturally, uh, you know, gracious. And we talked last week about the peace of God and Sunday night we took it even further. We understand that in Nehemiah 1, 3, verse 3, do you have that there? Talking about today the importance of your daily walk with God and the importance of, I suppose, the practical and the spiritual working together, the unlocking of your future. And I trust today would challenge you maybe to reprioritize some areas of your life if you need to. Acts 1, uh, sorry, Nehemiah 1, 3 says, And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was, Nehemiah, when he heard these words, he sat down and he wept and he mourned for many days and was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Isn't that a soft heart? You know, someone who hears of something like that, that it's a trouble in the land or there's an issue, and he breaks down. This is a, a, a man who's a cupbearer for the king. He's not a weak man. He's a strong man. He's recognized in the community. He's an effective man. He's a very spiritual man. But when he hears this challenge, he doesn't want to punch somebody. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't go and tell 46 people. He doesn't even put it on Facebook. Amazing. He breaks down and he weeps. I don't know about you, but some of the parallels we want to draw in this guy's life, because today we're talking about putting the kingdom of God first. There's five effective uh, things we're going to talk about. Number one is putting the kingdom of God first. And that's so important to, to have in our lives, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Nehemiah was this sort of guy that, that when he heard, you know, whether it's abortion or whether we hear, you know, things that are happening in the world today, sometimes we just get mad and we get angry and we, we tell everybody, but... We don't let it break our heart, really. It broke his heart. A good thing that fell to the ground and he prayed and he said, God, and he's fasting, going, God, am I part of the solution here? Am I part of the answer? Am I part of what needs to happen? 
I don't know. And, and he goes on in verse 5, and, he, and I said, I, I pray God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love, you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, that I may pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned, God, against you. Both me, both my father's house and I have sinned. He's struck with, a, with not just a heart for people and a heart to do something about this. He's challenged by his own unworthiness. It's challenged by the state of his spirituality. God, I've sinned. I've messed up. I've done things wrong. God, what, why would you count me worthy to do this when I am really not? What a great heart. Someone who's able to not just bang the table and go, right, we're going to do something about this. How terrible is this? But there's a humbling in his own heart that God is not just asking him to do something. He's aware that God is going to do something in him and he's already started. I know when we went and served and helped and you released us to be with the farmers, you know, it was so powerful to do that, but I'm not the same person you sent out. When you build God's house, I believe he builds you. When you start to serve others and help others, I'm amazed how much he changes you and transforms you. And most times that's what we need because the goal of Christianity essentially is to, to be like Jesus and change our priorities. I love telling the story again uh, on the uh, series, The Crown, I think it is, that Jane made me watch while we were away. Um, see, I didn't have to... You wear pants like that if you're watching The Crown. But... Uh, and, you know, the, she hires in Billy Graham. She has an audience with Billy Graham, and she says, I'm the head of the Church of England. There's no one higher than me, but who do I talk to? Who's my counsellor? She says she brings in an American guy called Billy Graham. He's only a youngish guy then. This is when she, she was very, very young, the queen. And she said an interesting thing. She says, what does it mean to be a Christian? And, you know, he... You know, Billy Graham was never short of uh, conversation. She said, he answered very quickly in this uh, play, and I trust it's a pretty close, accurate uh, depiction of what really happened. And he said this, he said, as someone who's had an encounter with God and then decided out of that encounter to reprioritize their life, to put God first now in everything they do. And I thought, what does it mean to be a Christian? I thought that's good, isn't it? Uh, this is the sort of thing I suppose Nehemiah, is, before Christ, is, is, is starting to live out as a great example for us and a prophetic example for, I believe, what God's calling us to do today, to perhaps in our life reprioritize. Nehemiah was called back not to build the walls, but to rebuild the walls. Why was he rebuilding the walls? He was rebuilding the walls so the enemy didn't get in and attack the people. And I believe today that God is calling you and I to rebuild our life where the enemy has got in. The walls speak of strength. They talk of, of, of you know, separation from a chance you've got before the enemy just goes, oh, I'm hitting you up. He's actually got to get through the walls. He's got to get over the wall. He's got to get through the gates. And I believe it's time to rebuild our life in Jesus. I believe it's time to rebuild our life and putting God as a priority like never before. This is a foundational conversation we're having, and trust I trust prophetically foundational for our own personal life. Why do you say this, Pastor Stuart? I don't know if you know people like this, but one of the challenges I actually have in counseling as a senior pastor and trying to help people 
is one of the challenges they have is, you know, come together, example, in a marriage, and they say to me, you know, like, oh, you know, we're going our own way and this and that. We're not going to, you know, stick out together. And then about a year later, they listen to their own advice, and about a year later, you see them somewhere in the shopping center, you see them somewhere, and you think, whoa, what happened to you? You're a totally different person. They've lost weight. The woman's, you know, lost weight or she's, you know, done her hair differently or something's happened. The guy's the same. You meet the guy down this and he's different. He's changed and stuff like that. And, and it's almost like, what happened? Why did, couldn't you do that together? Why did you have to do that separately? And oftentimes I ask them the question is, was God speaking to you about this while you were married? About reinventing yourself, about changing and about shifting? And they all go, yeah, he was. But we felt we had to do it separately. But the pain and the cost of doing it separately is something that is not being uh, brought into the, into the thought. And, and I suppose what I hear and what I'm saying to you, is even as a church, if you, God is speaking to you about reinventing yourself and changing yourself and, and learning more and growing more, then it's God who's speaking to you. Don't wait until it hits a wall. God is always a proactive God. He's a phenomenal strategist God who knows things before you know them. <laughs> and he sets us up to win every time in such a way that here with Nehemiah, when God's speaking to Nehemiah, I believe Nehemiah's heart was prepared well before God spoke to him because of the response that he gave. And so we hear this, this time of rebuilding the walls. Why? So the protection and the provision of God can be brought into that world again. And so to challenge today is that, is there areas of your life where you need to rebuild those walls where the enemy's been getting in and hammering you? And, and under a prophetic thing, under a direction, is usually the anointing to do that, which actually makes it easier to do. If you try and do things out of season, it's like, you know, Paul turning up, uh, you, you know, <laughs> wearing a big jumper this morning going, and we go, man, that's a beautiful knitted jumper, Paul. But Paul looks like a clown because he's wearing a, a, a thick, beautiful woolen jumper on a hot day. Nothing wrong with the jumper, nothing wrong with Paul, but out of season. Out of season. Uh-huh, see the difference? Out of season. Now, I always use good examples because they've got good self-esteem because they can handle the bumps. <laughs> and so here we've got this rebuilding process going on, but Nehemiah's heart is, is yielded and, and sensitive to this whole process. And so what he had to do, what maybe you need to think about, what I need to think about, is changing our priorities, that's what putting the kingdom of God first essentially can be about, reshifting our priorities, seeking first the kingdom of God for the welfare of not just ourselves, but in turn others, and how important that actually is. I shared in the earlier service when I was living in Victoria as a young bloke, I decided that there's a whole bunch of young guys in our town who were just a bit wild and a bit crazy. And maybe, you know, they were looking for something. And so I started up boys clubs in the town and, and the regions around and starting these boys clubs. And, and the idea was on Friday night we got together as guys and we talked about men's stuff and guys' stuff. And then we did sport and activities. And, and a guy who owned a gym had a swimming pool with a, with a, in the gym uh, into a pool with a volleyball court. And so we used to use that. And, and I used to sit down. We used to do weights. And I used to train the guys how to do this sort of stuff. It was really cool. We used to have a lot of fun. And I built up quite a big group of young people in this town quite quickly. Uh, and then I felt uh, in the middle of all that to go overseas and travel. So I went to travel and, and travel parts of the world. 
And in a, before I went, I thought, I've got to set someone else up to keep running these boys clubs because they're so successful. Out of about, probably in that area, probably about three to 5,000 men, I couldn't find one man who would take it over. Not one. Not one man would stay at the pub on a Friday night. Not one guy would actually push into the cause. See, maybe we think sometimes someone else will do that. Maybe it's a bit like Nehemiah, you know, that you know, someone else is sitting around going, well, someone else, that's someone else's responsibility. Someone else will do that. Nehemiah's going, hang on a minute. That's pricked my heart. That struck me. I want, I want to, I'll do something about that. And, and as I was saying, I was down the beach one day, just around this particular time, I was down the river. This river beach is where we live. And, and uh, there was this lady, and she was actually floating along with her baby in the water. And she had a little baby, and was just floating along with this baby. It was a bit over a newborn. And she's floating along with it. And uh, in the, she was up to about here in the water. And the baby's half the body, the baby was in the water. The next minute, they disappeared. I thought, there was a lady with a baby out there, you know? And uh, I was, that's strange. And I said to the guys, said to me, did you see that lady? I thought, what? Yeah, we did. I, th- I think she drowned. And I said to someone else, hey, did you see that lady out there? Said, yeah, I, I did see that lady. I, she's disappeared. I think she might have drowned. I was, I was having this conversation with people who had seen the very same thing that I had seen, but are willing to talk about it and do nothing about it. And I thought, well, I won't tell you what I said in my unsaved vernacular, but I jumped in the water, ran out, and as I was running into the water, I hit her, hit this lady, and she's trying to duck dive, trying to find her baby, like this. And so I grabbed her and was able to pull her aside and say, get in, get in there, you're going to drown yourself doing this because she's in a state of shock. And so I duck dive down into the, to the water, which was quite deep. I duck dive into the water, and as I duck dive down, I had my hand out like that because I didn't want to hit any logs and stuff, and I hit the baby in the side like this, you know. So I was able then to grab it and bring it up, and as I pushed it up through the water, I'm still underwater, pushed it up through the water, I pushed on its side, and it must have spat out the water and taken a big gulp of air, you know. And it's like, whoa. And I'm sort of trying to swim in with a baby above my hand because had, it had a, like a little shirty sort of thing on. I was able to have hold of its shirt, you know, and bring it. The mother is on her, on her knees in the, on the banks of the river sobbing, going, my baby's dead, my baby's dead. I'm bringing it. I said, well, I think the way it's screaming, it's not dead. <laughs> it's alive. Isn't it? It's a, good to have a baby screaming, isn't it, Josh, when they're like that? You know? <laughs> Don't mind that. No one's complaining. <laughs> you know? and, and brought that baby in. And, uh, you know, she was hugging and kissing and, you know, and she just sort of said thanks. But she said to me, is there anything I could do for you? I said, I've got a boys club I'd like you to run. <laughs> you know? She ran the boys club for about another three years because I couldn't find a man. She ran it for three years. That boy t- today is a, a motorcycle champion in Australia. He holds records and awards uh, for motorbike racing. Um, and this is, you know... How many good things go past us that God is calling us to do? But maybe, maybe because our heart is hard, we're so busy and we're so consumed, we, we don't hear with the ears of God to go, God, that's, that's a need. I can't let that, not, on, not while I'm alive, not on my watch, I can't let that happen. 
I'm not allowed. To, I'm not. I don't want that. To it, it, it's like for us, isn't it? It's like. Oh, did you hear this morning? Children's Church just started today. We're very excited about it. But we've got a need. There's a few leaders short. We just need a few people to run down and help out. Well, I'll pray about that, brother. You know, I'm sure there's someone you could send. You know, sometimes that's our talk. Nehemiah wasn't like that. I know when, you know, there was talk of, in my old church of shutting the youth down, I said, because we couldn't find, so I said, I'll do it. I'll give up a Friday night. I don't care, I'll run the youth. Do you know what you're doing? No, no, I'll do it. <laughs> here I am, send me. Or here I am, send her. <laughs> and this was the heart of this guy, Nehemiah, who knew how to put the kingdom of God first, and he had order in his life. See, I believe sometimes with the Word of God and and church life and community life, if you hear things over and over again enough, you get familiar with it. And someone can sing a song or have a God so loves the world. I won't sing it because it will wreck your ears. But God so loved the world. Yeah, you heard that before. Yeah, I heard that. And next week we don't even want to come to church because we're so familiar because I know what's going to be happening. They're going to sing that song. They're going to do this and have the announcements. And we get so familiar with good things that actually turns us off good things because we're not doing anything with what we've been given. Uh Uh-huh. And so it can be true with a marriage. It can be a personal life. What we've been given is good, but it goes stale on the plate because we don't actually activate it. We don't actually live it out. We don't go home and go, I'm going to put that right. I'm going to start seeking first the king. I'm going to, do, I'm going to reinvent myself. It's such a cool thing when you let God reinvent you. Say, God, if, what would you do if you were me? <laughs> How would I need to change God? What would you want to change in me? So I don't get familiar with life. I don't get familiar with my marriage. I don't get familiar with, with just, you know, the Bible says they were choked with the cares of the world because they hadn't self-controlled themselves. They hadn't disciplined themselves to go, get off. <laughs> I have a purpose. I have a goal. I have a direction. I have a calling. And this things, these things are just weighing me down and cluttering me up. And so Nehemiah, I'm just trying to punch him up. He's a really good guy because I think he was. He's starting to rebuild these walls or build these walls, whichever way you look at it, he had to set new priorities in his life to be able to do this. New priorities. I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit, uh, go to bed earlier. I'm a bit tired. I can't do it. Take vitamins. Oh, I'm just, you know, fat and ugly. Well, don't eat as much. Exercise. You know what I mean? Reprioritize your life. Because as I say, in a marriage sometimes, you don't know where the other person's up to giving up on you. And it's good to change. It's good to reflect that. It's good to look different. It's good to be different. Otherwise, sometimes it comes easier to find another mate. And people do it all over the world. In fact, 52% of people do it in Australia. Look for another mate. I'm sure you wouldn't do that if you're very happy with the one you got. Nehemiah, you doing okay today? I'm, I'm preaching out of the big version. Uh, that's a teenage version. I've got the big version. And you'll be getting double whammy if you go to a life group because it'll be good for you to be able to look at that. It, it says, 
God was looking for an effective kingdom builder, and he still is. An effective kingdom builder. It says, it goes on in Matthew eleven twelve and it says, the kingdom advances forcibly and forcible men take hold of it. You know, we should have it in the life of our church. And I love it the, in our church that the, the musicians aren't the only ones that sing. I love it that the congregation overwhelm the musicians. You know, I, I love that because you can hear the congregational sing, it's congregation singing, even when I'm in the front where the speakers are a little bit more focused, but it's exciting. But wouldn't it be exciting again if I said, and I'll say it again, if we said, hey, there's a needed children's church this morning, and there's a, there's a barrage of men running out the door to go, I'll do it. <laughs> Imagine I said, there's a prayer meeting on Thursday night, and we have, to man, we have to open the walls back and open the doors back because everybody who said they'd come actually came. Come on, God is looking for effective kingdom builders who can put first the kingdom of God in their own life. Can I say it again? Which sometimes is a reprioritization of your life. People say, well, if I do that, maybe people won't like me. They might not like you now anyway. But Nehemiah had to break through that veil of thinking because he had to go, well, what if I step up like this? What will people say about me? Well, fully what people say about you if you're serving God. Hey, come on. That's a good word, isn't it? I think it's a, is that an English word? I don't know. Doug, is that, it is today. Being able to, to stir our hearts like that. Why? Because Nehemiah knew how to discipline his life to put God's will above his comfort. Can I say it again? Nehemiah knew how to put God's will above his comfort. He decided to put God first. And everything else had to take a second seat to that reality. And there was a practical outworking of that. It became real in his personal life and real for a lot of people when he rebuilt the walls uh, over those period of months to be able to do that. But it started with a leader. It started with somebody who had a, a, a desire to be such a person, to be an effective kingdom builder. I imagine he explored some realities of this. He wasn't just first thing he'd actually done. But he realized that the kingdom of God may be important in theory, but sometimes people say, well, it's someone else's problem. The kingdom of God is important in theory, but it's someone else's problem. And so we become hearers of the word and not doers of the word. Now, that's an old talk. But again, if you've heard it long enough and you go, I'm sick of listening to these sermons, you're the exact person I'm speaking to. It's time for you to become the sermon or to serve what the sermon is speaking about. How much can you hear before you fall asleep? It's powerful thinking when you grab hold of this. I'll just give you some background. Moses lived a thousand years before Nehemiah and gave Israel the rules that they were to live by. Deuteronomy covers most of the civil laws and Leviticus covers most of the worship laws. As far, unfortunately... As soon as Moses and his successor Joshua were gone, the people largely ignored the laws of, that God gave them. In fact, most of all the prophets in the Old Testament were prophesying warnings of the consequences of not keeping the law, the big one being that they would be expelled from the land that God had already given them. This happened, uh-huh, and they were almost all taken back to Babylon for 70 years, which was called the Exile. At the end of those 70 years, the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians and the Jews were free to go home. A further 30 years later, Ezra and the priest, Ezra the priest, sorry, 
it was granted permission to go back to Israel to rebuild the temple. Yet another 70 years after that, Nehemiah was granted permission to rebuild the Jerusalem walls. I wonder if the people said somebody else should do something about those gates. Somebody else should do something about those walls. But everyone was settled in their own towns and villages throughout Israel and did nothing about their own city. This can be seen as a challenge of many Christians today. As long as their home and their personal life is okay, they are happy. The kingdom of God may be important in theory, but it's always someone else's problem. God was looking for effective kingdom builders, and he still is. History can teach us a lot. Worse way it teaches us if we relive it over and over again and don't actually learn from it. That becomes the challenge. And so today as we head out in, in these five areas, we're not going to talk about any more today, uh, as far as number one, putting the kingdom of God first in your life. What does that look like in your marriage, in your personal life? What does it look like? I, I remember talking to married couples over years, and oftentimes they can be uh, you know, mixed race couples or brought up with different backgrounds or all different sorts of things. They talk about this, I can't remember the 8 o'clock, the 10 o'clock, it all just blurs after a while. Huh? And, and so, did I talk about the 8? Yeah. And, and so realizing when they come in for you know, marriage counseling and help and say, Pastor Stuart, it's not working out. And it, when, it comes, when it comes revealed sometimes, hey Louie, snappy dresser Louie this morning, sent the bar pretty high. I mean, even Solomon's got to catch up to to Louis this morning. Hey? You're brave man, Solomon, if you wear pink. Hey? What was it talking about? Couples. How how couples... Just look at you. Got your pink tie on there. Check shirt. At least you got one thing right, Sol. Check shirt. You're in. The... You know, and, and they come and they have challenges in their relationship and it's oftentimes because of their backgrounds are different or they've been brought up in a different way. And sometimes when it comes to children, it's a great example. How do we discipline the children? How do we correct them? How do we do Well, I was brought up this way and we just smacked the life out of them. The other person goes, well, I was brought up a different way than that. I don't think that's the right way to go. There becomes a tension in the relationship and then it's, it, 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 it hedges towards uh, another word that I think is dangerous in a relationship called compromise. When really the solution to the problem is this, and this is where most people, I lose them, is saying you've got to have a kingdom of God mentality, not a kingdom of your own nation mentality. Because the challenge is sometimes is, you know, Aussies bring up their kids this way and the Irish do it a different way and the P&G folk bring it. And I'm not saying anyone's wrong. It just comes when you put that in a relationship, there's a great tension there of which way is the right way. And both will usually permanently sort of defend (laughs) their nation. (laughs) But when it comes to the kingdom of God, I say, look, there's a higher way, a bigger way, a better way of doing this. It's called the kingdom of God. And what you need is the kingdom of God in your relationships to to look like that, to say what, what is the kingdom saying in these situations, in these circumstances. What's the kingdom of God say? If you're going to seek first the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of your country and not the kingdom of the way you're brought up, but the kingdom of God say, 
about this situation. Because sometimes this, this communication, I'm talking about the communication, I'm not talking about your nation, but the communication can be divisive to the best of your relationship. And a house divided can't stand. So if we drop our kingdoms and repent or say, God, you know, my way's not the best way, my, you're, but we now go for the kingdom of God. We take the high ground. We want your kingdom relationship concepts in our relationship and we want to do that. And most couples sit there and go, what's that? I go, isn't that fantastic? Now you've got the rest of your relationship time to learn what that is and apply it. Because what you've been doing so far is not working, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here. So let's go kingdom and let his kingdom come and his will be done in our relationship. And let's talk about that when we go out for dinner. Let's talk about that when we go out. Let's talk about what the kingdom of God looks like in our marriage, in our relationship. If we put God first, what would that look like? Most people, well, I don't have to change anything. Fantastic. But if there's things there that need to be adjusted where the enemy's been getting in, it's good to be able to go, I need to put a wall there. I need to build, put a gate there that the gate just doesn't swing open or it's just anyone can get through. It's like, hey, buddy, (laughs) you're not getting into my marriage. You're not getting into my life. And there's a strength about that. There's a confidence about that for you. In my case, my wife, I trust. So this is a Nehemiah putting the kingdom first, but bring it down to modern day thinking. Nehemiah was a guy, I believe, who, can I say it again, put God's will before his own comfort and did it really, really well. Even though he's in a position of high influence, yet he was willing to walk away from it all and go down to a a broken city and to rebuild those walls. So he's not just like, hey, this is easy. I'll get more money over here or this will work out. Sometimes it's a real challenge to leave what you know to move into an area which you don't know. And you have to do that. Would that be true in our own personal lives? Hey, I, go, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm going to have to re-pioneer this. I'm going to have to step out by faith, and I'm going to have to work this through. But God before me, who can be against me? Because I've got more of God in my life now than I ever had before, because I'm wanting to put him first. So he's helping me pace this out and do it well. Before it gets reactive, and it all busts up and goes all stupid. And then, as I said, a year later, you find out those people are now looking so cool. <laughs> I think, wow, you look so cool. But can I go back as we wrap it up today, and you can tell I'm recapping. One of the challenges Nehemiah was his own unworthiness. My own sin, God, I, I've sinned before you, and all my people have sinned, God. We, I'm sorry. Sometimes unworthiness can stop us from stepping into all God has for us. We don't feel worthy, we don't feel capable, we don't feel trained or equipped. But how many people know that oftentimes God's looking for availability, not equipped? He said, I'll equip you as you put your hand up. So I trust today, as we wrap up, I've challenged you. I trust today we've thought about the natural and the spiritual working together. And the first week, we're talking about putting the kingdom of God first as a foundational truth which I trust is a prophetic unlocking for many people's marriages, their relationships many people where they're at and that over your life you realize that reinventing yourself in him 
should be, not something that you do and it's all about you, but something that God has already put in your heart to do. I, I thought when I stopped drinking, everything would be perfect. <laughs> I realized that swearing, and I said, thought if I stop swearing, everything will be perfect. And we just let God work through my heart. It's not what I'm getting rid of, it's what I'm taking on. I thought violence was a solution to everything. Once I stopped that, I thought, wow, what do I do now? You realize there's joy, there's peace, there's kindness, there's gentleness, there's mercy, there's grace, there's all those things. I give up one, I take on 10 good things for my life, personal things, reprioritizing. I was with a, not with, I was sitting in a lady, she was sitting in the front row one day and she's, I'm listening to her, she's going, stop it, stop it, stop it. But she kept saying that. I thought, what are you saying? I said to her, you Okay. <laughs> She said, yeah, she said, I always chew my fingernails, but she said, every time I go to do it, I go, stop it. <laughs> a little thing. Hello, they're little things. But isn't the little foxes that wreck the vine? Isn't the little things that bring us undone? So today, maybe as we head out in 2008, and uh, what year is it? <laughs> 19, got Taylor's syndrome here. Uh, <laughs> 2000, wasn't that a great uh, mission offering message? Yeah. Hey, I thought that was outstanding. Praise God for Mrs. Loder. Hey, praise God. All these things, songs you're singing here wouldn't be written if Taylor wasn't writing them and leading them and all these manuals that are written for the life of our church, all written by these young girls and, and pa Pastor Peter and, and Kaz, all these young young guys, they're fantastic. These are all written in-house, songs in-house, uh, freshwater flavor by people who are passionate about putting God first in 2019 and beyond. I did it. You could do it. Some of you have already done it. But I'm going to go on a bit more of a journey to realize some of the five elements of Nehemiah's life that we believe are important for us to hear. Pastor Josh will be bringing out another one tonight that I think is probably one of the key ones that unlocks the, the whole shooting match of what he was actually like. Father, we thank you. It's 2019. It's year 5779 in the Jewish calendar. We talked about nine last week, what it means for us personally as a church corporately as a nation and nations of the world. We thank you, Father, today that this is an old message and if you've heard it all before and it rocks you off to sleep, you're probably one who needs to hear it more than ever to wake you up, to activate and be doer of the word, not just a hearer. God, we pray that people would never get familiar with the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. That we'd know our place like Hebrews said, assembling of the people together. And there's an assembly, there's a place and a position for you. It's not a gathering, it's an assembly. And we thank you, Father, today. Some are on the front line, some are second row, and some are the support team. Father, we thank you 
The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and those that are forceful will take it. Forceful men. Front-footed men. Who step up now. Not out of reaction, but out of action. Help us, we pray, Father. Live a life fresh and alive for you. Let your peace, the shalom peace of God, rule and reign in our hearts, God. So we know you're with us and you're for us and you're sure not against us. For God so loved you 